OHL hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Episode two, is it safe to say the Rangers go undefeated this year? No, it's oh. not safe to say that. Is it ever safe to say that? Well, it's safer to some, say some that. Some of your callers to the postgame show maybe said that. It's safer to say that about Peterborough right now than the Kitchener Rangers. No offense to the Kitchener Rangers. That's because they're 2-0. That they are. <laughs> but did anybody tell Peterborough they're not supposed to be 2-0? Hunter Jones. Telling That's you. why. Almost four periods to start the season, they went without allowing a goal, that's, no less. That's crazy. And they worked their way into an honorable mention in the CHL Top 10 this week. Pretty cool. Well, and they're taking a ton of penalties, but they, they're not allowing power play goals, apparently, because they've only allowed four goals in two games. That's crazy. Tied You're playing for, with fire, though. Tied for the league lead in penalty minutes with 30 through two games. Yeah. Good job, fellas. Not bad. <laughs> in the liftlock city of Peterborough. There <laughs> we you go. We got to see, uh, we've seen two teams so far. <laughs> this, have this we, season have we really one and a half we saw okay. the rangers put a whooping on the flint firebirds opening night as always the rangers did a fantastic job i thought of the opening ceremony and introducing the players i love that they got the players to introduce themselves this year on the video board i thought that was pretty cool and uh to a, a quick stick tap to whichever rangers players selected the rookies music this year because it was on point <laughs> it was on point are you saying that the rookies didn't pick their own music. Never. Carter Tresser, was it Carter Tresser that came out to Barbie Girl by Aqua? Well, I don't know if it was and Somebody came out to uh, Rupert Holmes and the Pina Colada song. <laughs> Fantastic choices, in my opinion. Great stuff. Really <laughs> great stuff. I love that kind of thing. Gets the, gets the rookies integrated with the team right away. It was nice to see Connor Hall skate out in full gear for that opening ceremony because, of course, we got the little bit of a surprise before the game when we saw his name as a scratch with the upper body injury. Yeah, well, when I talked with Mike McKenzie during the intermission, uh, he said he's sore and uh, he'll be out for a couple weeks. I saw Connor Hall after the game downstairs and uh, he said, nope, I'm back this weekend. I'm back. Nope, I'm going to be wheeling, he said. I'm going to be buzzing. He said, Friday night. I said, Friday night. And he goes, okay, maybe Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe neither is my guess because there's no need at this point of the season to rush the guy that's been so injury prone, but... Yeah, I I actually saw him on Friday night, and I believe I came back to the broadcast booth after you had finished with Mike McKenzie when the GM said, yeah, couple to a few weeks, and Connor Hall had just told me, yeah, I'm I'm just a little sore. I'll be back next weekend. Just a little sore. But that's Connor Hall for you. The kid's a gamer. I don't think we'll see him for uh, a couple of weeks. Let's save him for that heavy schedule in October, probably. But uh, it's it's just too bad. You just want to see, I don't care what team you are a fan of, if you watch what this young man has gone through in his junior career, I, I don't think there's a hockey fan out there that just doesn't want to see him get the chance to play. I know, and obviously everyone here in Waterloo Region wants to see him play. Local kid, keep in mind, Pittsburgh Penguins draft pick went unsigned, obviously because of the upper body injuries. But every time you see him scratch, you just, like... You and I both in the media room just went, oh, you just feel for him. You're like, come on, please. Maybe it's just tender. Just say it's tender and you can be okay. Uh, If this is your first time listening, that's Farwell. I'm Pope. Follow us on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL and at underscore Chris Pope. Shoot emails anytime, Mike at 570news.com. And hey, if you're a sponsor or you're a possible sponsor, email the deets. We'll, uh, We'll let your voice your ad go right here. I don't think they've updated the system yet, but uh, at some point I'll have an email again. I think. I still don't have a login. 
So uh, you're here. You, you can try to email Pope at 570news.com. I don't know if it'll work. Pope's here. That's all that matters. <laughs> showing up's half the battle. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. Speaking of showing up, players that are showing back up in the Ontario Hockey League, a uh, little bit in the way of transaction news. But, of course, we do broadcast Kitchener Rangers games. We saw that they we saw them play this past weekend. And, of course, it's the anticipation of opening night and then one game for the weekend. And the wind just comes right out of your sails. Although I, I don't feel as bad anymore when you look across the league and you realize a whole bunch of teams have only played one game so far this season. And then you look at our October schedule that we've talked about a few times. It's uh, pretty busy, Mike. It is. As you, put busy. It, as you put it so well last week, back to back to back. Back-to-back-to-backs. Yeah, and then after that, we get a Friday, Saturday, Tuesday. Correct. <laughs> but again, you got to play all 68. As I say, I just, I kind of wish we could just get into it, right? Yeah, it's nice when you see a couple games and you get into the swing of things, right? Like the back-to-back. Obviously, the team likes that as well. I, I laughed at uh, Jay McKee's post-game comment when I asked him, is, is it better to play a couple or is it nice to get this win and, you know, kind of get it out of the way and now have some time to relax? And he basically said, well, we're bag skating the boys tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Speaking of... Conditioning skate, as they call it. Sorry. Speaking of, since you brought up the post game in your interviews uh, after the Rangers 6-2 victory over the Flint Firebirds, I got it. I mean, a kind of, a part of me, a small part of me hates to do this. No, go for it. But it needs to be heard again. So this is Popper interviewing Jonathan Yances, who, by the way, opened the season 2-1, two, two goals and an assist, uh, was the... Did we make him first star of the game? He was. He was first star of the game. Yeah. And uh, by the way, my bold prediction was that he would score 20. He's got 18 to go in the next 67 games. Not bad. Anyway, Popper talking to him after the game. uh, Just, well, you know what? I'll let this speak for itself. Are you enjoying the opportunity to take a bigger role on this club? Yeah. Like, the opportunity is huge here after losing, I don't know, six or seven guys up front. I'll... All the guys are going to the pro, but uh, with the loss of goals, there's more opportunity for guys that didn't have as much ice or didn't put up as many points to step up and uh, score goals. How do you balance the opportunity with expectation? Well, case was, sorry. (laughs) How do you balance that opportunity with the expectation that new people are going to have to come in and score those goals and your personal expectation? Well, I expect a lot of myself, even last year, without that, with with less opportunity, I guess, on with ice, I still expected myself to score and uh, hold, hold myself to the high standards. So I'm just trying to keep on competing. All right, Jonathan, thank you very much. Congrats. Thank you. That question was tough. <laughs> Jonathan, you answer. <laughs> A lot of big words, he says. That was pretty awesome. Oh, man. That He's, was pretty awesome. I like it. And I, you know, I, th- I stand by it. I think it was a good question. How do you balance the opportunity with expectation? Um... And I, I felt comfortable asking him that because I've known Jonathan for three years now or two and a half years now. And he's a smart kid. He's always talking about what guys don't know. And like on the bus, like some of the conversations he has, he's a smart kid. I thought he'd be able to handle it. He looked at me like I had 17 heads. You outsmarted everybody in the room. <laughs> I was upstairs, of course, because you go to rink level and I'm up in the booth pushing buttons and making sure we uh, play the commercials. By the way, commercial availability on this podcast, Mike <laughs> at 570news.com. But... It, it, it took me half a second. Where's Popper going with this? But anyway, it's, it's pretty awesome stuff. Because one of the, any, any aspiring broadcasters listening right now, keeping questions short is something that at least my college professors drilled into my head. Yeah, 100%. So. 
And that was a short question. I believe it was almost like three words. Opportunity yeah. meets expectation. How do you manage <laughs> opportunity meeting expect- expectation? <laughs> and I, it's not the generic, you did good. Would you like your goal? And what, the best thing you <laughs> or, get out of it is that personality from the player afterwards. Because Jonathan Yance is being Jonathan Yance. He can laugh about it. And he can chirp you afterwards. That was a hard question. Big of words. Course. Yeah, of course he's going to chirp me afterwards. I don't know that the season could have started any better for the Rangers or any worse for the Flint Firebirds. They did not look good in Kitchener um, and they came in the night before so it wasn't the bus legs on the drive up from Flint. They struggled in their own zone. They lost battles to the pucks. Kitchener was on pucks all night and when you play like that as a Rangers club, that's the kind of game you want to play this year. That, that's your identity, hardworking and fast and uh, Flint just didn't look good. They, there wasn't a lot of quality scoring chances either. Like, like Luke Richardson didn't have to make many grade-A saves, I wouldn't say, in that game. And on the other end, Emmanuel Vela didn't make any grade-A saves when he maybe should have. He did not look strong at all. And then, obviously, Flint's uh, weekend got worse when they faced Erie. 12-2? to 12-1 in 12-1. that game versus Erie. Yeah, so the, the Erie Otters, who uh, many predicted would finish last in the Midwest Division, open with a resounding 12-1 win over Flint. So that that's just an awful way to start for the Firebirds. Isn't it? The loss in Kitchener, going to Erie, get spanked, and then put your tail between your legs and head back home. I don't know what's going to happen there in Michigan this season, but it is not a good start. No, and the other Michigan team is going to be pretty good by the looks of it. Absolutely. And that they have their little rivalry, and they have a cup they play for. I can't remember what it's called right now, but... I, safe to say that one's going to go to Saginaw this year. That, there's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> That's not as bold no, it's as not. your previous prediction. Uh, the Midwest division looks a little different, I think. And again, we're, we're a game or two in for all teams. But it looks a little different than we might have thought it would. Guelph, for example, stands out losing on home ice to Sudbury of all teams. But the Storm, starting with a loss and a overtime loss uh, this season, and sitting dead last right now. Yeah, they're just getting back Ryan Merkley, and a lot of their power play, and five-on-five five for that matter, goes through Ryan Merkley. He is a game-changer in this league. There's lots to be said about what's going on between his ears at times, but on the ice when it comes down to the play, he's an electric player and a game-changer in this league. It'll be very interesting to see, now that he was taken in the first round, now that he's went to an NHL camp, and he has guys that people in this region are very familiar with and Pete DeBoer and Steve Swat in his ear and the, the the San Jose Sharks staff watching his game routinely and the feedback he gets. It'll be very interesting to see how we see Ryan Merkley's game and attitude change throughout this year. My bold prediction this season besides Jonathan Yancis and his 20 goals was that the Owen Sound attack would be a force to be reckoned with and I wanted to withdraw that prediction when they lost their first game to Barry 9-2 to <laughs> oops uh, but they get Nick Suzuki back and if we keep going up the chain in the Midwest division the rich just got richer in London with Adam Bulkfist coming to the Knights so Owen Sound got someone back yep Guelph got someone back yep London got someone back yep Kitchen no no but and in fact one of the players that was thought possibly could come back to Kitchener and I think we talked about him on the pod last week was Connor Bunneman, captain last season. He's been assigned to the AHL, and the Kitchener Rangers almost promptly went out and got themselves an overager in the form of Waterloo native Chase Campbell. And that move 
solidifies it really right there's zero expectation that the rangers are getting anyone back and general manager mike mckenzie said as much during the intermission last friday he had no expectations that anyone was coming back so now they can turn the page they have their three overagers in gentles hall and campbell for now and i i like well i tweeted it when it came down i like the move i think he fits into this system and this team perfectly it's like a puzzle piece it's proven uh, longevity in this league. He's been on numerous teams. He's made it far in playoffs. Owen Sound last year was a very systematic team. If you watch them play, they played their system. And I think that's what we're going to see this year from the Kitchener Rangers. Jay McKee, we saw it in the playoffs. His systems, when they're on and when people buy into that, they're a tough team to play against because Jay's systems are fantastic. And if he can get these guys to play those systems and a lot of these young guys see a guy like Chase Campbell out there, you know, busting his balls every shift, going 110%. He doesn't take shifts off. He finishes every check he has. They fall in line. And when you have four lines coming at you in waves, like we saw on Friday night, yes, it was Flint, but still, game one, a lot of pressure in front of 7,000 fans for some of those newbies into the league. And if you you have a guy like Chase Campbell that's going out there and leading by example every night for the forwards – you have two guys in defense, but for the forwards, I think it's just a perfect fit for this hockey club. It'll be nice, obviously, from Chase Campbell's perspective to be having that homecoming here in his uh, OHL swan song. Uh, Sarnia, Ottawa, Owen Sound, and now Kitchener to close out the career. Yeah, he was part of the Travis Konechny trade. Man, that was a Way trade. back. That was Sas- uh, Sasha Shemalevsky, the name that's always difficult to say, also part of that trade. And also back, right? Yes. Yes, one of those returnees. So if we stick with that Midwest division, uh, the London Knights, first off, made a minor deal. Ryan Bangs sent to the Flint Firebirds for a third rounder, and then welcome Adam Volkfist. The only, I guess, problem, if you can call it that, for the London Knights in this scenario now is that they've got themselves one too many imports at the current time. The rest of the uh, Midwest Division and, quite frankly, the Western Conference say what you want about Saginaw and the start they're off to, but it, notice has been served. And all eyes in London, to me, have to be on the Ottawa Senators, right? Because you could get Kachuk and Formanton back from Ottawa if they don't b- both make the big club. That would be terrifying. <laughs> terrifying for... Anybody else in this league. Yeah. I, I think Formanton, Formanton had a nice long look last year. He did. So, and there's a lot of positive things coming out of that camp. Some people saying he's as fast as Connor McDavid. I call the bluff on that, <laughs> but... It's pretty fast. It, 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 very fast. Okay, so while it seems that we know in which direction the London Knights are headed, and, and it just seems to be better and better. And just real quick, they also got another player back, your favorite, Liam Foodie, got sent back. I just, I had a hard time watching. The, I, I just didn't understand. I, I see the kid six times a year, yeah. and I was still trying to figure out how he rocketed up the central scouting rankings last year. But I'm, I'm with you. He did, and good for him. So he's back in the Ontario Hockey League. And, and you know what? I get to watch him up close and personal six more times this season. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Hey, foods. I assume that's what the kids call him. Uh, I don't think so. You want you want to send a, a chirp? It's Mike at five seventy news dot com. I'll, I'll take it because I just I just had a hard time understanding. But good on you. Good yeah, on you. Right. Go get it. And good for London. Absolutely good for London because London gonna London. Yeah, that hurts to say. In the uh, Eastern Conference, what the heck are the fish 
going to do. The Mississauga Steelheads uh, get back both McLeod and Tippett. And you look at this team and you're asking yourself, well, now what? They're a season, a full season removed from their Eastern Conference Championship. Last year, everybody thought that they're going to have another second-hand surge, as or second-half surge, as they did the year they won the Eastern Conference Championship. They didn't. They finish seventh. They get knocked out in six games by Barry in the first round. What are you doing in the East this year when everybody's loving Niagara, dark horse in Ottawa, and a lot of love for Oshawa? Do you... I Honestly, I, I stand here before you having no idea what you do if you're Mississauga. Well, I I think I do know what you do. And you trade McLeod and Tippett to a couple of the dogs in the West that are going to be going for it. When you do it, I'd do it ASAP. Do it as soon as possible. Get them out there and get your young guys some playing time because Cole Carter, a former Kitchener Ranger, is going to be one of their top players this year. It is a definite rebuild for the Mississauga Steelheads, and those are two big names and two big pieces that people will pay a lot of picks for. But don't the prices go up? I think they do as January the 10th approaches. See, well, history shows, yes, that they do because the bidding war begins, but you can also risk what happened to Guelph a few years ago if you don't trade them, and then you keep them, and then you get nothing for them, and then you're euchred. I think you deal them now when... You can say the price is higher because you get a full season out of them, right? You both, we, we all know these two players are not back next year. So why not give a team the option of having a full season out of them as opposed to just a couple months? Because if you're playing, paying for a rental, the price is normally high at the deadline. Yeah, but I, I mean, if you were going to pay for you know, a rental for a full season, you could probably get a few more picks. It'll be interesting to see if they can pry away a young player from whatever team it is they're deciding to deal with and it you have to think that it's coming to the midwest right do you so you're thinking i don't know uh, maybe saginaw i was i thought i was just thinking saginaw right because they've got the assets to do it yeah right but those are two big pieces man they are those are two big pieces well you're not suggesting they go as a package are you no okay that's not there's not a history in this league is that is there (laughs) let's not get crazy (laughs) let's not get crazy on Season two, episode two. I'm just saying. <laughs> just calling a spade a spade. McLeod's a huge body, big power forward. Tippett is, I, lo- I love Owen Tippett's game. Fast, crazy shot, competes hard, can hit. Who doesn't want that right now? One of the things that we have uh, promised to do on this podcast this season is take you on the road with us. We want to give you a sense of all of the buildings that we are in through the season. And even though we opened at home and we'll uh, play at home again this weekend and make one short trip down the 401 to Windsor. Short? Uh, it's short compared to, well, I guess, actually, no, as spoiled as we are in Kitchener, that's one of the longer trips, eh? The whole three hours down the 401. And I don't even mind some of the trips like to, to Ottawa or to even Sault Ste. Marie. It's a little different drive than just sending it on cruise control and holding the steering wheel with one finger, heading down straight down the 401 for three hours, and then running into construction which takes an extra half an hour on your drive anyway. That's a good point. Hey, I just got back from there. That's why I hate it. Shout out to Moose, by the way, who called the post-game show last Friday night. Yeah. And he's back for another season. There was some talk. I, I guess they must have sweetened the pot, Well, made sure he stayed. He held out for more money, I think. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> I tried to do the same. Uh, Moose called the post-game show, and he says, Mike... Best broadcaster in the world. I got any love on that, Moose? 
Nothing. Chop liver. Let's be honest. First of all, it was me he was talking to. You know he's going to say the same thing oh. to your face when I'm not around. Secondly, I think Moose was into some of the wobbly pops when he phoned, eh? Probably not. <laughs> anyway, we love him. We're going to board the bus with him again for the first trip of the season on Saturday. But what I found really interesting is a couple of things that happened in the OHL last week, in the first week of the season, uh, connect to things we have done or trips we have taken the first thing was, of course, the Sarnia Sting not being able to make it to Sault Ste. Marie for their first game on uh, on Friday night, September the 21st, because the winds were too high to cross the Mackinac Bridge. I don't blame them. I wouldn't, I'd be thankful the game got canceled because that bridge is an eerie drive to begin with, let alone with major winds blowing you across the, the lanes on that Mackinac Bridge. It's not nice. See, I've always now, and I wanted to know, you just said Mackinac, I said yeah. Mackinac. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's got an A-C on the end, but I think it's pronounced Mackinac somehow, but I, I want to say Mackinac. Forge, give us a call and there let us go. know. All right. We can get in touch with him. We'll get to the bottom of the Mackinac, Mackinac on this. Anyway, I've gone across this bridge far more times than I care to. In fact, one summer, I took my motorcycle trip over that bridge deliberately to exercise the ghosts. It didn't work. I remember... Sorry, were you on the bus with the police escort? Or is that a story Don told me? No. Well, it wasn't... It was a... It was a... I would have called it a military vehicle. Oh, military. But yes, that's exactly where I was going with this. I I remember two two of the stories, the the trips stand out particularly to me over the years. And, And the way we almost always did the Sault Ste. Marie trip in the, in the early years of me traveling with the team and alongside Don Cameron, we would play the Sioux on Sundays. And so we'd do our northern swing, usually started with a home game on Friday night, then we'd hit the road, play in Saginaw on Saturday night, and finish off in Sault Ste. Marie on Sunday afternoon. And what was uh, tradition for the team at the time was to finish a game, board the bus, get on the road, and drive essentially through the night. You might get in at 2 or 3 in the morning, but that's what we did. So these were dead-of-the-night trips across from Saginaw over to Sault Ste. Marie, and I remember one particularly windy evening. I I wasn't asleep. I didn't do a very good job of that, sleeping on the bus, and, and I was looking out the window as we crossed the bridge, which is a stupid thing to do. And you could just see the water down below and the, the ice in the water, and I'm thinking just the what-ifs, right? They're all going through your head. But then the story you're referencing and I, I think, as I recall, it was some sort of, it looked like a tank, okay? But the bottom line is it was windy enough that they sent a massive truck, like a dump, a dump truck times four, it looked like to me from inside this bus, across the bridge with us to kind of break up the wind, buffet the wind, and, and lead us slowly across the bridge. No thank you, not ever again, good night. At least you had... <laughs> a military vehicle there to kind of guide you <laughs> sure, as opposed to the, the snowstorm we went into last year. Oh, that's or, right. Sorry, two years ago. We thought we were... <laughs> and, yeah, we, we got, got, we got as far as uh, Sioux, Michigan, and we had to call it a night. Yeah. yeah. Got a hotel there last minute. That was fun. Man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, no kidding. So we can kind of relate to what the Sarnia Sting were, uh, were going through when they... You know, I mean, listen, take... Take the the safe way. Err on the side of caution here. Don't cross the bridge when it's windy. But that's just, isn't it kind of crazy to think about? Like, it's late September. It's not even officially fall yet by the calendar. You think of the trips north and you worry about snow and sleet and all of that other stuff. No, 
Can't make it there because it's too windy to cross the bridge. Yeah, windy this year, and then Sarnia uh, canceled the game against Kitchener last year because of the snow, even though it was clear skies here. But that was because they were scared to play Kitchener, according to some people. Those people might not be wrong. It was just such a weird cancellation. Yeah, but that you, 402, man. I know, but do you remember the trip we took down there then two days later? No. We were, oh, maybe we had gone separately for that trip. Anyway, it was an awful, terrible Sunday. It was This was playoff time. This was when we had our April from hell, and I'm cruising down the old Jettas there on the 402 slash 401. I saw a guy spin out, regain control, stay on the road. It was Anyway, it was awful. I might have been down there for work already, I think. Yeah, I think you were. I think you stayed over. Uh, The other out-of-town rink that comes to mind where uh, something rather serious happened, and we're going to get some insight on that in in just a sec, but think of the Barry Molson Center, Popper. And when we go there, uh, as we were talking earlier with the Kitchener Rangers setup, when we do post-game shows, you go down to ice level, I stay up in the booth, you're doing the rinkside interviews, and I'm pushing buttons. But when we're in Barry... Okay, if the arena's empty and you're down at ice level and I'm in the booth, we can pretty much have a conversation without raising our voices too much. That's how close we are, right? Yeah. So imagine being in that broadcast booth that close to your team's bench and the coach behind the bench collapses. Yeah. Like, that's what happened to Stu Kernan, who calls games for the Hamilton Bulldogs, as their game in Barrie was wound, uh, was winding down last Saturday night, and all of a sudden, Matsos collapses behind the bench. I thought the game was in Hamilton, but it was in Barrie. So you could, yeah, you could basically hear everything, I'm sure, up in that press box. Exactly. The one that they added later <laughs> during construction. Um, <laughs> the good news is Matsos seems like he's okay. It yes. was, um, from what I've read, it turned out that it was uh, a seizure due to dehydration and some other health issues. He was on his feet on the bench, and he, he was on his feet before they put him on the stretcher to take him off. But you see that video of the play going on, and the seconds counting down. It was under 20 seconds. And all of a sudden, you can hear the players screaming, and the players just start throwing gloves and sticks on the ice trying to get everyone's attention. And some of those players skated over to grab the stretcher right away and push it across to the bench as fast as possible. There was some major panic if that's a word, or concern even. Concern is probably better. A lot of concern on that Hamilton bench. And Scott Radley, who writes in Hamilton for the spec, who's fantastic. I remember reading Radley when I was in college down there. He wrote a great piece about the uh, athletic therapist who's on the bench and the job that he did for Dave Matzos and how he recognized immediately that this was within seconds, that this is not a heart attack. He's still breathing. And he had dealt with a seizure before, so the what he saw there clicked in his mind that this is what it is. So he just made sure that Dave wasn't going to hurt himself and allowed it to progress. And it's people like that. Like we saw here in Waterloo, of course, um, with Ben Finelli. It's people like that that, you know, a good game for them is not having to do with their job. I mean, we could see video. We obviously heard what happened. They called the game with 19 seconds to go, which was fine because Hamilton had just scored their empty net goal. It's over, for sure. right? Uh, but... Uh, we check in with our buddy Stu Kernan, who calls the games. As I mentioned earlier, he's the play-by-play guy for the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs. And uh, Stu, just you know, you're in the building. You're you're at the rink. And Chris and I were just talking about how close you are to the bench. But describe from your point of view what happened at the end of that game. 
it was uh, it was pretty surreal because yeah, as you mentioned, you know, play was still going on. There was 19.8 seconds left to go in the game, and, and of course the focus was in the corner because that's where the puck was. And then at the corner of my eye, all of a sudden I saw sticks and gloves come flying from the Hamilton Bulldogs bench. So I'm thinking, uh oh, we've got a you know we've got some type of brawl going on down around the benches because uh, as you know, in, in Barry they're they're pretty close together. And uh, but then you, I focused obviously on what was going on and it became pretty obvious that uh, it certainly uh, wasn't a brawl. It was the, the players trying to get the attention of, of the officials on the ice and then trying to uh, signal over the, uh, the EMS to, to get a stretcher over. And, you know, the thing that impressed me the, the most about the team and the players was that, you know, they didn't panic. They kind of knew what to do. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Matt Strom, who's uh, been in the league now for a few years, and Brandon Sajan, they knew where to go to, to find the uh, EMS people on the stretcher. And they rushed over and, and got the stretcher to the bench right away. But it, it certainly was kind of an uneasy feeling. And uh, I imagine for people on the rink and for myself, like I was broadcasting the game on my own. So the guy had no idea. I started to go down the bench to see who was there, who wasn't there. Was it a player? Was it a coach? And then it, it quickly became uh, clear that it was uh, head coach Dave Matzos and, uh, so it was, yeah, it was pretty scary. I think for everybody in the building, everybody up in press row, uh, uncertainty was, was the one thing. But, of course, what was most paramount and, and most important was everybody was just hoping for the best for Dave. Stu, obviously at this point of the game, it's over. Barry's about to lose. Um, a lot of their fans, I'm sure, are headed for the exits. But the few that were still there, what was the reaction that you felt from the fans and people in the crowd? Quiet is is a is a good word for it uh, because yeah you, you could you could almost hear a pin drop and you know you could hear the commotion that was going on uh, at the bench you, you couldn't quite make out exactly what was being said and, and and whatnot but you know everybody was up everybody was standing and um, you know they eventually did clear the building they asked the uh, the fans to to leave and and they all left in a in an orderly manner and there obviously there was no panic and. It was, uh, it was just something that, uh, you know, the, the team did. And hats off to everybody with the Barry Colts as well. Uh, you know, the team, there was no worry about 19.8 seconds left in the game. Dale Howard, Chuck, the head coach, was right over at the bench. Their training staff was there. And everybody with the Colts and uh, EMS and Barry uh, did a great job. And, you know, the fans were very respectful. They were just as worried as anybody else was at the condition of Dave. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was... You know, it was nice to see, you know, your competitors on the ice, your competitors in the league. But when something like this happens, some type of medical emergency, it's kind of nice to see everybody come together. And of course, the reminders that come with something like this, uh, that really it is just a game and and there's more to it off the ice. But you got to hand it to the Barry Colts who tweeted the next morning. Uh, waking up this morning after what happened last night really puts things into perspective. Hockey is just a game, but life is a gift. Huge stick clap to everyone involved in last night's efforts to help Bulldogs head coach Dave Matzos. Hashtag real heroes. Stu, did you end up seeing that tweet? Yeah, that was a, that was a great tweet that the Colts put out, wishing Dave and his family all the best. And, of course, there were tweets and messages coming from all across, not just the Ontario Hockey League, you know, the Canadian Hockey League. You know, Dave's got ties in Europe when he coached uh, in England. So there were tweets coming in from England from uh, people uh, Dave knew there and was associated with. So it, it, it was very touching, and, and uh, you know I'm sure Dave and his family really appreciate it. Stu Kernan, 
play-by-play voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs. And, of course, our thoughts stay with head coach Dave Matzos. I met him years ago uh, when he was coaching up in Sudbury. Real, real good guy. I know we say that all the time, but he seemed to be one of the true uh, genuine gentlemen in this game. The Bulldogs uh, on the road in Peterborough Saturday and then home to the 67s on Sunday. Matzos was on the bench next to John Gruden when the Hamilton Bulldogs won the OHL championship last year and got promoted to head coach this year. Uh, you said they're in Peterborough and then at home, right, to Correct. Ottawa? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, any other games this weekend that you ca- saw or that caught your eye? Well, I like I like London Flint. I want to see how bad it's going to get. I, <laughs> I, I like Sault Ste. Marie in London on Friday night just to see a couple of powerhouses yeah. the last few years in the, in the Western Conference. But, yeah, the Flint Firebirds are obviously a team that we'll have our eyes on. Just look, you know what? When we go to Flint, first of all, there was the water crisis. So you want to begin there for the town itself, right? The first trip we made as an organization to Flint, the Rangers loaded like 10 extra cases of water, bottled water onto the bus, mm-hmm. right? You had that all happening. And then of course you had an owner who is essentially still barred from being around the team too much because he meddled too much. It, it's really been an awful situation. And yet when you go to Flint, uh, Dom Hennig, who's mm-hmm. their communications media guy slash play-by-play host, is just a gem. He, he makes things so easy. Uh, it's, it's not a bad arena to be in. Uh, it's too bad the hot tub's gone. They used to have a hot tub down in one corner. Not that I ever spend time in it, but it's, anyway, it, it's not hot a bad place. Hot tubs are gross. Oh, tell me about it. Gross. Tell me about it. But I think it's cool to see one in a hockey rink. That's true. Right? That kind of idea. So it's, it might be gimmicky, but whatever. There's there's stuff happening to enhance the fan experience. If you like taking warm baths with strangers or friends, I don't know what you want to do, but not my cup of tea. I I feel bad saying I want to see how bad it's going to get, but I, I feel like it doesn't get much worse than 12-1. Exactly. I, I'm just interested to see if Ryan Ullihan down there can kind of turn things around. Ty Delander could be another piece on trade piece this year if they trade him who do they have left well no one no i shouldn't say that that's rude but no one uh (laughs) how bad's that Uh, sudbury's got someone yeah i was gonna say quentin byfield first overall pick you didn't you didn't see his goal i did not first goal goal. that was nice i'm I'm excited to see this kid he's big body He, he flew from his defensive zone up through the middle great pass and rolling puck and he put on a nice little stick handle and stick handling display and went backhand shelf. It was quite nice. I want to see this kid. Uh, my favorite part about him is he went to Sudbury. Mm-hmm. No bones about it. Are you listening, Eric Lindros? I know Whoa. stuff like that still bugs me, though. Or, play. Coo- or Cooley. Yeah, you got a chance to play. Yeah. Play. Play the game. That's what he's doing. He's doing it pretty well. Good for you, Quentin Byfield. All right, uh, that'll do it for the... Uh, Second episode of season two of the Farwell and Pope podcast. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. How do you balance the opportunity with expectation? This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.